You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Okay, people. So I have a kind of a serious question before we start. Has anyone seen my sandwich? I mean, that's important, right? Because it's Mission Log night. It's Mission Log live on Monday night. I'm sorry for the uh, static there. I think I'm uh, experiencing a little bit of a sunspot. But it is tonight. It's Mission Log. It is Monday night. It's 10 p.m. Eastern. It's 7 p.m. Pacific. And it's 5 o'clock somewhere. So it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. Hello. Oh, and I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. I barely made it on time. Hello, beautiful friends. How are we today? We are talking tonight about the penultimate episode of Lower Decks, season three, episode nine. Very, very excited. Trusted resources. And we are excited to hear what you all have to say. So, I mean, you know the drill. You click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone. You call us at... 669-900-6833. You enter the meeting code and our esteemed and the wonderful and the lovely and the efficient Earl of the Green Room will let you into chat with us tonight about what's happening with the crew of the Cerritos. And if you're extra nice, we might have a slice of pie for you. Or stun you, really. It's your choice. Because that sweet, sweet crust just <laughs> stun me. <laughs> well, Ashley, Ooh. I just want to let you know that our uh, our friends in the chat they're chatting it up, and they're chatting up one big uh, kind of consistent message here. They're what do they have to us. say? 200, 200, 200, 200, 200. We are Mission Log Live episode 200 tonight. That's pretty exciting. Don't Can you think? believe? Can you believe? 200. I'm, I'm a little stunned, but I am going to, I'm going to toast you. I'm going to toast us. I'm going to toast them. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, helping us get to 200. And that's super exciting because uh, we've been bringing you this kind of content for quite a while, live, with so many guests and uh, with so many friends and familiar faces. So thanks for being here. Uh, Let's see who's in the chat. So we have, oh, of course we have a Paul in the poll position. Paul Paul in the poll position. (laughs) That's difficult to say. Uh, Dave is here. Heather, nice to see you. Glad that you're here. Uh, Let's see. You have Carrie. We have Dan. Narda. Thanks for all of you for being here. Dom, what's happening, my man? Brandon, Carlos, Paul Wright. Wow, Mission Log Live 200. Yours is actually the comment that I saw that reminded me that we are on the 200th show. So that's very nice. Uh, and of course, uh, Errol has been able to let you all know uh, about our uh, how to get into the Earl Green Room so you can chat with us about our 200. Um, Paul, is that a third Paul? Alan? Do we have a... I think so. Either that, or I'm just not reading well tonight. If ever I read well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, thank you so much. It's very exciting. You could probably hear the excitement in my voice because I'm stumbling over my words, as I usually do at the very beginning of the show. Like I listen to my podcasts, and no one should ever listen to their own podcasts unless you really like torturing yourself. But I do. I enjoy that just as much as Rutherford loves torturing himself with not having. <laughs> <pie>. <laughs> And I listen, and early on, it's just like, just gobbledygook, just like, blah, you know, and all of a sudden at the end, it's like, well, thank you for being here on our 200th episode. It's very cool. So I'm just saying, forgive me at the very beginning. Forgive me, Ashley. Uh, we have some slightly bad news to start off with, but not oh, really. no. Yeah, but I have to get this out. This is the news of the day. So next week. No Halloween show, people. We are taking the night off. So, And I'm sure that many of you are taking the night off. So you're going to have a wonderful night celebrating uh, Halloween. That's October 31st, next Monday. But we will be off next Monday. And we will be back with Ashley and John on November 7th with the wrap-up, the season finale of Lower Decks, episode 10. Can you believe we're there already? It's already episode 10 time. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. You know, when you really think about it, that's like 10 weeks, 11 weeks, because we're taking a week off Mm -hmm. and that goes by so quickly. Right. It's 200 episodes, honestly. (laughs) I don't don't feel a day over 199. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Michelle Harper says, are you dressing up? Uh, I am dressing up. I'm going to wear something special for Halloween. Ashley, are you going to be dressing up? 
Uh, I am going to be abroad, and Halloween is not a thing where I'm going, so I will be dressed as a tired version of Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> a tired traveler. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. All right, so I just want to let everyone know that, yes, we are going to be taking next week off, so uh, please share your Halloween costumes with us. You know where to find us all over the interwebs. Now, here is the most important thing, the more the most important takeaway that you should have for this uh, this news Threshold is being dropped this week for our standard Mission Log podcast mm. on Thursday. That's right. Threshold. I'm going to repeat myself one more time. <laughs> Threshold is being dropped this I Thursday. can't wait. <laughs> the episode that broke Star Trek fandom. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's that in Subarus. <laughs> Every series has one or maybe two, but mm. I know a lot of fans have been waiting for John and I to get to this episode. So mark your calendars this Thursday. Lizard baby time. You know you want to be there. I want you to be there with us. And you can always visit youtube.com uh, slash Roddenberry Entertainment because we have some amazing content for you there on our exclusive channel. We have Mission Log the Orville with Captain Mike Richards and Jessica Lynn Verde. We also have new content that's being dropped on Mission Log Engage. But the other takeaway that you need to remember from this little news bit is that Ashley and I are returning... <laughs> Finally, yeah. for Mission Log Prodigy. Since February 5th, we have not recorded a new show for Prodigy. And we've both seen the screener. We've both recorded our very first episode. It is almost in the can. Ashley, how do you feel? I'm so excited. We First of all, we had a really good time recording. We so did. I think people are, have that to look forward to and all of the excitement. But also, I remember in February when we were saying, ah, May, June at the latest. I know. Right? <laughs> so, the sweet, innocent people who we were, Norm. Um, I'm so happy to be back. And it is, it's going to be a good return to form. I think people have a lot to look forward to in terms of both the episode itself, of course, and then our episode. And I'm psyched to get some of our younger cadets back in the regular swing of things. That's my favorite thing about Mission Log Prodigy is how much it opens up our fandom. It makes me so uh-huh. happy. I was so excited and we were we were excited to record. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but you've probably heard this one before. And now this is time for us to listen to our incoming transmissions. And that's when the kids huh. are edited in by Earl. And then we hear just the most amazing feedback from kids. And what? One of our youngest uh, listeners is what? Four? Five? That's so nice. Yeah. Uh. They're like our Murph, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that is the, I think that's the highest compliment we can pay anybody who engages with Prodigy. If we like you, you're all our personal little, lovely little Murphs mm-hmm. out there. You know, just making us smile. So uh, speaking of smiling, Ashley, so uh, we have a Twitter poll, the return of the Twitter poll. I don't know if this is going to make you smile because I know how much you love the ship. Uh, I'm going to say that I feel personally devastated and betrayed by this particular question that I may or may not have had a hand in writing. So (laughs) after (laughs) watching, there's no spaces in this, so I'm going to try to read it accurately. Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 9, Trusted Sources, that was all in caps. Will Mm -hmm. Mariner and Jennifer make it, or has the ship already sailed? Devastating. Extra devastating because a mere 43% and I voted in this poll (laughs) that the correct answer, which is that they are ship shape and 57% of you personally betrayed me and said they are a sinking ship. We would love to hear, of course, what you have to say if you're not a betrayer in the chat. But now (laughs) it's time for the recap and know that I will be watching this poll as the episode goes along. All right. So before I get into the recap, because... Maybe because it was like, you know, the the break was so long in between the first half of Prodigy season one and the second half. I literally like the people, there are people in chat saying, Norm, it's still season one. Paul Wright says it's still season one. I think I said Prodigy season two. It's Prodigy season one. Season one point point two five. Yes, I think there are several points in the episode where you can watch our brains being like the back half of season one. I know. Meanwhile, on Prodigy season <laughs> when? <laughs> yes, season yeah, when. Season that is, when. That's it. Yeah. So here we go. We're going to jump into the recap and let's see if I uh, 
Let's see if we get any of this right. Star Trek Lower Deck <laughs> Season 3, Episode 9, the penultimate episode, Trusted Sources. <clears throat> Captain Carol Freeman and her staff are thrilled when Admiral Buenamigo tells Carol that her proposal for Project Swingby has been approved, and now planets that have been previously visited by Starfleet will be checked upon by California-class starships. First up is Ornara, visited by Captain Jean-Luc Picard 17 years ago and hasn't been visited since. Buenamigo also tells Freeman that he's assigned a Federation News Network reporter to document this mission, and Captain Freeman orders everyone to get their departments in order. Yeah, she's actually serious this time. On their way to the hangar bay, Ransom briefs Freeman on the Onaran situation and how Picard left things unresolved. Suddenly, Mariner bumps into them covered in blueberry pie filling and reminds them that the annual Cerritos pie-eating contest is happening later that day. But Captain Freeman doesn't want anything to go wrong when the reporter arrives and orders Ransom to make sure the duty roster has their best officers on deck. Later in their bunks, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are wondering why their shifts have been changed. Mariner explains that an FNN reporter is interviewing the captain, who right on cue walks right through the lower deck's quarters with Victoria Nuze in tow. Mariner offers to show Victoria the warp core, but Freeman has other plans. A demoralized beta shift heads to the pie-eating contest, but is devastated to learn that the captain canceled it and all the pies are be destroyed. Somebody stunned Rutherford. As Victoria begins her rounds of interviews in the bar, Beta Shift is denied fun times once again because the bar is now a temporary officer's lounge, invitation only. Mariner is furious that her only cherry-picked officers are being interviewed and who only represent one side of life aboard the Cerritos. Upon reaching Ornara, Captain Freeman, Victoria, and the away team beam down only to find that the Ornarans are completely fine. Well, there was that dark period in their history as depicted on a local mural, but aside from that, all is fine. An embarrassed Captain Freeman contacts April Buenamigo and tells him she's taking the reporter to Breca, the planet that once applied Ornara with the highly addictive Felicium and where there may be something worth reporting. Back on the Cerritos, Mariner meets up with Victoria outside her quarters to tell her the other side of the Cerritos story and is invited inside, but not before Ransom spots her from down the corridor. Later, Victoria meets with Captain Freeman for what is supposed to be Carol's big interview, but ambushes her with allegations of barely surviving disasters, botched missions, and seemingly unending chaos. Carol knows that this was Mariner's doing and orders her to the ready room. Mariner is chewed out by Captain Mom, who is sick and tired of dealing with her daughter's big mouth and is kicking her off the Cerritos for good, having already finished Mariner's transfer to Starbase 80. During Mariner's walk of shame back to her quarters, even Jennifer can't believe that Mariner sold them out to the FFN reporter. And before she has a chance to explain herself, Captain Freeman overcomes, orders everyone not to talk to Mariner, period. After packing her personal things, Mariner steals herself for a quick goodbye with Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford and just leaves a very un-Mariner-esque Vulcan salute. Finally, in the hangar bay, a few greasy ensigns and their even filthier shuttlecraft arrive to haul Mariner away to Starbase 80. Arriving at Breca, Freeman, Victoria, and the away team beam down, leaving a very proud Dr. Miglimu in charge, who immediately calls his mom, because, look at me, mom! On the planet's surface, it's too quiet and deserted. As the away team splits up to find any signs of life, Ransom finds a frightened woman in an alley who is immediately vaporized right in front of him by a Breen. Yes, the Breen, not seen since the Dominion War, have taken over this planet and have ambushed Captain Freeman and her crew, who beam out immediately back to the Cerritos, which is under attack by several Breen interceptors, who outnumber the Cerritos three to one. Suddenly, as all hope seems lost, an unmanned Starfleet vessel appears out of nowhere, destroys the Breen ships, and saves the day. Admiral Buenamigo hails the Cerritos and tells Freeman that the ship that just saved them is the new Texas-class USS Aledo which redirects all of Nuzay's attention away from Captain Freeman, who is just fine without the reporter following her every move. And when Nuzay's expose of the Cerritos is released, it turns out that most of the officers that were interviewed were the ones who dished on the captain's failings, all but Mariner, who only sang the captain's praises. And as Freeman tries to get Mariner back from Starbase 80, she's nowhere to be found, but is told that a Beckett Mariner has in fact resigned from Starfleet. Somewhere in another part of space, Mariner is aboard a new but much smaller ship and has been invited to dig up space mummies because they don't dig up themselves. The end. Lots of stuff happening in this episode. Ooh, big, big, big episode. I knew Petra was coming back. Excited? Was everyone <laughs> yeah. excited to see Petra? 
I was very excited to see her. I thought she was a cool character. I think she's a fun counterpoint to the idea of, of new Trek really fetishizes the Federation and Starfleet more than I think even 90s Trek did. And I think she's a great counterpoint to that. And I think when we saw her introduced along with some of the other um archaeologist vibes that were going on at the job fair, I guess. <laughs> uh, or sort of the anti-Starfleet sentiment that was coming from some of these other organizations. I thought it made the world feel rounder and more interesting and more complete and complex. I don't think Mariner's there forever. I do think we will get a return to the status quo, but the reintroduction of this character and pairing her with Mariner, even though it could mean devastating things for the Mariner and Jennifer dynamic, it is growth and it is development in the way that letting us know that Tendi actually wants to go command track is growth and development, which could take her away from uh, her beloved and someday they will kiss Rutherford and the rest of the group. So, but if this if beta shift is maybe going to break apart in the future in order to become stronger and then maybe come back together, I think that's a really interesting dynamic to explore. So that was a long answer to a very simple question. Actually, are you saying that this is the breaking of our fellowship? I'm I am saying that this could be the banks of Amunhuin and mm. that Lurts and the Urukai are about to come over. I'm not telling you who I think is taking the three arrows for the team, but oh. Badgie might be leading oh, this God. attack. <laughs> oh, the Boromir. It so breaks my heart in so many different places. As it oh, should. Oh, Aside from that. So I was looking at your morals. I was looking at my morals because that's what we do here. And, you know, when we do the mission log uh, recap and then kind of like the deep dive, I'm I'm glad that we both kind of like landed nearly on the same spot here. Definitely. Yeah. So was it that same speech? Was it when Mariner was talking about her mom and how much she loves the ship and kind of like that clandestine interview with Victoria Nuse? Come on now. I so mean, good, little, though. Right? Like, so funny. <laughs> so silly. I love that. But yeah, it's about her like saying, you know, we don't have we're not like, you know, the most polished. We're not like the highest. Right. We're not, you know, the 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 top of the line. But what we do, we do great because we all can count on each other as a, like a family. Right. That's always kind of like been the Cerritos, right? So I'm, I'm glad that it, that, and I'm going to ask this to everyone out there. I mean, if mm-hmm. you felt the same way, if it was just like that easy for you to see, but um, did it go deeper for you than that, actually in that interview? I think that that interview in particular is a great shining example of the theme and what I really love about Star Trek, because we love speechifying in a post TNG Mm. world. And I'd say the speechifying is done with relative success, depending on the show. Um, Some shows really speechify a lot and say very little. Some shows don't speechify that often and say a lot. Some really hit a nice, I think DS nine is like my preferred balance of like speechifying, but also like Worf might punch someone with two hands and lower decks as he should. (laughs) Lower Decks tends to shy away from the speechification of it all. And to have this speech at this time coming from this character, I thought was really arresting. I will say, Mike, I'm sorry. I didn't believe for one second that Mariner was the one who said all those nasty things. Um, I I don't know if that's a red herring that got pulled over a lot of people's eye. That's how metaphors work for sure. Mm -hmm. But I also liked Mariner's a character who's taken a bunch of criticism over the seasons and i'm not going to unpack the layers of why that necessarily happens but i liked giving this moment in this speech to her and we had a comment i think i made this comment last episode that there was a moment where it felt like it was a return to form of season one mariner and this this moment in this speech and the evolution of her relationship with captain freeman even though they don't share a ton of scenes it was really really meaningful and you and i are sucker for found families like strap in for prodigy my friends for all the hugging and all the tears but for sure uh the fact that that's both of our top bullet points i was like yes right into our soppy little hearts (laughs) (laughs) but i'm glad that like lower decks actually has the ability of of being able to kind of like lean on the earned moments and and use them kind of like as the subversion of expectation, because this is like you really wanted like Mariner to say, you know, when she was getting chewed out and right before she got thrown off the ship, she's like, no, 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 that it wasn't me. She never really yeah. said that, you know, which she, is growth. Right. That's character development. Yeah. What? <laughs> 
Well, let's see uh, if our callers agree with what we have to say. And we have Chris first up. And I know Chris, you know, I know he loves Lower Decks. I haven't seen you in a while, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. No, I really liked this week, you guys, for taking all my bullet points. Uh, so we're going to improv a little here. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I love seeing Petra back. Uh, Mariner's speech, I think, is really the thesis of not this episode, but just the whole show as a whole. It's like this idea of coming together and being aspirational and all these wonderful things. Um, yeah, no, great subversion of expectations. I don't know. The second time I watched it, I was like, why isn't Mariner speaking up? Because she's done nothing wrong. That was mm-hmm. my sort of one thing. It's like, no, but you didn't do anything wrong. It's, but whatever, it's fine. It, it was a very good episode. Besides that, um, do you think Rutherford, it's because get the man you think it's, high? Yeah. I mean, do you think it's because she didn't speak up herself? I'm, I'm sorry. I just wanted to kind of give you something to think about. Because she expected her mom to expect better of her by this time. Mm, that's possible. I'll have like, to ruminate wh- on that. Like, why do I need to like explain myself anymore when I've proven and, and time in, and again? An interesting inversion of the trope, right, of the child being disappointed in the parent, which we don't see as much in narrative television versus the parent mm-hmm. being disappointed in the child. Yeah. So, and it's kind of like this whole issue of trust between her and her mom. Like, you know, we've had this out before, you know, um, I, I thought that, you know, I know Ransom, I wish kind of Ransom would have stuck up for her, you know, uh, in, in that scene, because he said like, well, was it an episode or two ago? Like, you know, you're really doing well, you know, you're really becoming, you know, the leader mm-hmm. that we want you to be. I know but they almost sudden. had a nice moment. It was gross. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> They're almost having they, a, 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 a bond. It's Ugh. like a sitcom moment where you can like, <laughs> we're watching it, right? And we're breaking that fourth wall. And they're like, no, no, no. We know what happened. This happened and that happened. And why can't these things come together and resolve themselves? Like logic allows, but yeah. we're in a sitcom. So usually that doesn't happen. Uh, what else you got for us, Chris? Yeah, I'm curious what you guys think. There was talk of this on the Discord, um, whether or not the whole Texas class was a PR stunt by Admiral Bernamigo and like to what degree, like did he know those Breen were there? I don't think he did, but I do think he was hoping for something to go wrong. I think he was shadowing them, waiting mm-hmm. for something to go wrong. I don't think he expected Breen attack, but something, definitely. The Breen, they're like the 24th century now Spanish Inquisition, right? Because no one expects the Breen. Like no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> I, uh, you made the joke, Norm, in your intro where you were like, not seen since the Dominion War. And I had a very similar uh, note. I was like, wait, for the first, wait, but the, I have a timeline question. <laughs> no, and also no, no fix for energy dampeners. We're like six years past the Dominion War by this point. I, I definitely yeah. like to think that I love an evil Star Trek admiral. That is a trope that we can return to as many times as we want. I loved Admiral Robocop in the movie. And uh, also mm-hmm. just get like the joke of the last name of Buen Amigo is really, really good and really layered. I want to give him the credit of knowing that something was going to go on. Maybe he didn't think, like you said, Chris, it was going to be to the scale. But Chris, also, c- can you give us like your Miglimo thoughts? Oh, that was great. Right. That was, that was, that was <laughs> wonderful. I, I love his excitement. Because a lot of times Miglimo's on the bridge, but he doesn't get a line. He's just kind yeah. of there as scenery and so anytime he actually gets a line is, is a good day in this household when we saw uh me mima i was like oh, i bet chris is losing his mind right now no that's great and there's there's a she's got a little picture of like baby mima holding like a mm-hmm. diploma like from some graduation i thought that was very cute yeah very nice the cosplay ideas are starting to roll i can just tell <laughs> like Mo on command you know now you got to find a way to be able to like walk around in a command chair like in your Miglimo <laughs> outfit, right? But also like somehow with the photo, with the diploma. <laughs> and it can happen. This man can make it happen. So mm-hmm. um, one last thought, Chris, before we have to let you go and get on to our next caller. Uh, yeah, I really like that the, what I'm, I'm reading is sort of supposed to be the, the next generation of class after California is Texas because Texas is of course the natural enemy of California. Um, so I guess that was a, like in addition to Buen Amigo, obviously being from Texas, he's got a model of the Alamo on his shelf and all that. Um, just the joke of the Texas California rivalry. I thought that was a nice, another layer to that. With a little bit of Flagstaff sprinkled in there for good measure. Oh God, right? yeah. yeah. I'm from, Oh my God. I'm from Flagstaff. Yeah, oh my God. I just rolled. I was like, Oh God, so close, <laughs> but not at all close. 
So I have a small thing though, and uh, a small detail to, to bring up. And Chris, you, you uh, agreed with me on this and some of the stuff that you've written in discord is freaking hilarious. Like, um, <laughs> was it you? It was you that said, uh, I, I said that the, uh, the Texas class, isn't that a Deus Ex Machina class ship? And you said, it shouldn't that be like Deus Tex Machina? I'm like, oh, shut up. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, my, that's my crowning achievement for today was thinking of Deus Tex Machina. I laughed out loud. I Full clapped. Applause. I, yeah, everything. <laughs> I, I toasted a bourbon in your honor. Uh, but no, there was, the, there was uh, so uh, Victoria Nuse was wearing a specific badge. And that specific badge looked similar to, if not exactly the same as one Constitution class ship called the Exeter from the original series. The only ship design patch, I believe, that is of that tall, thin, rectangular shape with a nice little uh, CBS logo right smack dab in the middle of it, uh, just like an evil robot. Just saying. Right. Are you saying that only evil robots work for CBS? Blink Not in twice so many words. If you're being held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> Clap if you're nervous. <laughs> All righty, Chris. Uh, thanks, and uh, keep up the good work on Discord. Um, uh, you you might give Alan a run for his money this week in terms of the pun department because that one that one really took the cake. Deus Tex All Machina. Right. Love it. Yeah, thank you, man. We're making that into a ship. That's our new album cover for today. (laughs) All right, Chris. Thanks, man. Thanks for calling in. We'll talk to you later. See you next time. Um, Before we get into John Arminio, I just want to like slide in because I know like John has nice, deep conversations. I know. He always makes me feel so dumb. Full (laughs) breadth of the conversation. So I don't want to cut him in. It's like, by the way, John, hold on to that thought while we do some station identification. (laughs) So we're going to jump into that before we jump into John's comments. So we want to talk a little bit about what we've mentioned just really briefly, we've mentioned Patreon and we mentioned the Discord. And for those of you who are not familiar with what Patreon is for Mission Log, if you visit patreon.com slash mission log, that's where you can find ways to support us through different tiers of support and different subscriptions with swag commensurate to said subscription. And uh, you get your um, entry into the Mission Log Discord. The Mission Log Discord is our server where so many fans have come and have shared their fandom, have helped grow this community of chats, sub chat threads, and live chats now that we have on a weekly basis with topics that range from the Orville hosted by Captain Mike uh, to Twilight Zone hosted by a longtime friend of Mission Log and the podcast and now on Discord, Matthew, uh, to Woo! a couple to a couple of my shows uh, where I talk about Stargate and we're into Stargate Atlantis right now. I'm just going to get recently, higher every time. <laughs> and Babylon 5, which I started doing also just very recently with Charlotte Schmidt <laughs> as my co-host. And we also have a, a love live con conversation that is a conversation uh, with one of the Pauls, Paul Harveth, hosting that show. So there's a little bit of everything for everybody there on Discord. So again, visit us at patreon.com slash mission log. Check us out there. Find that uh, way that you would like to support us that's comfortable for you, and then join us in the Discord. We'll be happy to see you there because we are having an excellent time. All righty. So here we go. John Arminio, I haven't seen you in a while because I haven't seen you in a while. So how are you? I'm great, Norman. How, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. I'm uh, I'm finally getting to like my second half stride. The first half of my shows either go a little kind of like rocky because i'm so excited to be here that i just get a little tongue-tied and tongue twisted and i'm always nervous with ashley you know when she's on the show so the loose cannon of mission yeah. lock but now right <laughs> we're all we're all settled into our chairs like migly moo on the bridge right so having a good time having a good time are you having a good time oh of want, course I'll, I'll you want pie or do you want to get stunned um both please oh perfect what kind of pie well blueberry obviously obviously Obviously. (laughs) that's the right answer hold the stun uh well you know this episode addressed two things that i've been thinking about for quite a while one is just that the tng episode symbiosis like as much as like picard is my guy that's really like the most egregious GTFO, <laughs> uh, like at, at least in next generation history. <laughs> like I, I'm so mad at Picard in that moment for just like leaving this disaster. And so I'm glad that uh, Lower Decks 
said, okay, let's focus on, especially because this is a second contact ship, mm-hmm. this, sh- this kind of situation should be where Starfleet is focused on. So I'm glad that they sort of addressed that. And I thought that was a great way to sort of integrate past Trek without being fanservice-y. And the other one is that I've always thought that there's this really um, glaring insecurity in Captain Freeman. Because whenever mm. she's hailing anybody, especially an admiral, it's, hi, this is Captain Freeman of the Cerritos. She, like, really puts on this captain voice that's not her own. Like, she's playing the role of a captain without actually, like, being captain. Mm-hmm. And so I think when her captaincy is being examined by an outside source, her insecurities are really being brought out and she can't handle it. And so that's why her relationship with her daughter is tested. Like she's so insecure in, in her role as the supposed leader of the Cerritos that she can't see past those insecurities and trust her daughter. That honestly makes me like John Lewis's performance even more. And I've already thought that she's really wonderful in this in the role that you've like peeled back a layer of the onion where I'm like, wow, I've never spent a lot of time thinking about Freeman's insecurity. How, even though that's obviously central to this episode, how, how fascinating captain. No, I mean, I think that's a great observation. And if you worked in, you know, in corporate structure business, like long enough, you'll see the captain Freeman's of the world, you know, they'll, they'll rise to a certain level of middle management and, You'll see those that say the, the, their names. Yeah. Say their names. <laughs> Norman C. Lau, for example. Oh no! Oh, that was devastating in a way I was not prepared for. <laughs> Somebody stunned me because I need pie and that sweet, sweet crust. No, but you know, in in when you work in corporate America and you see like these tiers, there there are people that. They, they rise to the occasion because they're the leaders that don't expect to be leaders. That leadership is thrust upon them, and then they become really good at just being able to handle people and people's personalities. Then there's this like, like layer of leadership that doesn't let people grow. Like They don't really let people grow because they don't know how to grow themselves, so they're not leading by example. And I think that even since the very beginning of Lower Decks, we know that the California class, they will, will, they will only rise to a certain level of expectation because they're not really given a lot of responsibility. They're the second contact ship. You know, they're kind of like the cleanup crew that they, they make sure that um, if, if one of the lead admirals or lead captains like Picard says, don't worry, we have supplies coming, they bring the supplies, right? You know, they kind yeah. of like follow up all of the minutia of the, of the missions, not in that clandestine section 31 way but in an actual real way you know for starfleet but also like sometimes in that clandestine section 31 way sometimes exactly (laughs) without the black badge yeah but but captain freeman's like you know i want something better than this command i i think that she thinks she's entitled to a better command but she hasn't probably done anything to deserve it or earn it you know i think that she's kind of like stuck in this well, I worked just hard enough to get to this command, this, and I wanted my own ship. But that's pretty much where my ambition was at the time, and that's pretty much all I'm capable of actually handling. And I, I like that you had the observation of, well, you know, when say like when Amiga, like you know, he, you know, he uh, is about to call in. She's like, everyone, you know, put on your best performance. Mm-hmm. You know, act act in a way that's contrary to who you are. You know, we're going to have our best shifts out of order because we want our best people showing off the very best attributes of the ship, but just at that time. So everything's very well manicured to create this illusion, but that's not real. And I think that's what Mariner's saying. Like, look, you got to accept the fact that you're never going to be where you want to be. Be Mm -hmm. where you are, own where you are, because that's what makes us great. Right. And I think that she's like, if my mom's not going to do that, then I'm off the ship. I'm going to find somewhere that does. I think that's why she left. Yeah, and I think what's great about this episode and that conflict is that the tragedy of that is that she is a good enough captain mm-hmm. to foster these relationships, and we've seen the growth of the crew in from the command level to the lower decks level as the seasons have gone on, and the ship really is functioning like a family, but Freeman is so caught up in appearing like the Enterprise or, or one of those level ships that you can't even see her own accomplishments, and I think that's like a really astute way of telling these characters' story. 
Well, and it's also a lead by example thing, right? So if people don't believe in her, then they won't believe in themselves. I think that Ransom actually has the possibility of being a really good commander or a captain of his own right. But who does he have to aspire to? I agree. Isn't that gross to say? <laughs> He's like, they do such a good job. Like him and Boimler could have so easily just been like the mediocre white guys. And they're like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, dang, they're they're actually good at what they do. And they mean yeah. well and they try hard. How dare you how dare you everyone who works on this show be so delightful and so thoughtful <laughs> yeah if, if he was captain on a ship and mariner was first officer that ship would actually run pretty well yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so what else is on your mind there john because i know that you have more to say you always do um <laughs> just that, you on the spot? uh i would love to see an actual shirtless pie eating contest with the lower decks crew Oh, of course. Will, Ransom would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ransom would like, he'd like tear off his shirt, eat pie, then gets done, then eat pie and more pie. Yeah. Right. And then just laugh at everyone. Then his head would come off his body and then we'd turn into Zardoz and everything would be great again. And there would somehow be like his churro wife would be cheering on in the background somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. That is something that I love about Lower Decks is that there is room for these little moments of absurdity. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I <laughs> So, died when when Rutherford like, dropped to his knees. Yeah. <laughs> stun me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. Well, I'm glad that you're yeah. having a good time with with the, this series. Yeah, um, for sure. Ashley and I were talking about this um, in our in a prodigy conversation, and it's not a spoiler, but we're both very excited that we're coming to the end of kind of like the Star Trek season uh, with these two animated shows back to back because there's just something about them that I feel lifts the spirit of like the star trek community at large right because first of all they are animated and i don't want to take anything away from the the gravitas and the agency of animated shows because they are just as good as i think any of the live shows but there is a little bit of levity to them there is a little bit of just a lighter spirit and a lighter tone and i like that we're kind of like ending and going into like a holiday season with that you know and and being able to find now action figures and you know, games and presents and all kinds of stuff that we can kind of like now just feed our fandom love with during the holiday season. And if anyone needs any ideas from me, please let me know. You know where my DM is. So I like all the toys, especially Murph, especially stuffed Murphs, which no one has sent me yet so yeah. from New York Comic Con, which is I know. Tragedy. I was at New York Comic Con and didn't even get one. <laughs> Gay tragedy. So, I know. It's a tragic for me. Uh, I know. So speaking of tragedy, John, we're going to have to let you go to get on to our next caller. But um, Thank you. thanks for calling in. Great to My see you. Pleasure. Always to a pleasure. See you. All right, buddy. Um, Paul Harvith. Hello, my friend. Greetings. Greetings. Greetings, sir. Welcome. Uh, what's going on? Um, the the question of the day for Ashley is, okay, explain Jen and her, her you know, candle stuff please how does this affect you we need to Uh, know first of all i was just devastated in general because i would have thought if somebody would have stood up for mariner it should have been jennifer even above her mother because sometimes even with the bets of intentions towards your parents you still fall into that childish role so i can understand that and forgive that actually in a way that like the jennifer stuff hurts me a lot more the candle's a fun callback of course but also like fairly devastating (laughs) as an action um but i will say as a diehard comic book fan because they did not specifically say it is over i am breaking up with you i'm still i'm still holding strong to my hope but i also wouldn't be mad if like there was some mariner and petra action like that could be a fun uh, could be a fun divergence too so mariner gets all the hotties i don't know she pulls good for her I have heard, and I'm not sure if this is fair, but I've heard that Petra's been called kind of like Vosh Light. Is that fair? Or is she is she supposed to be? Yeah. At least as it stands right now. Okay. Well, at least it's it's not Jennifer Light. So it's a good she's a she's a good backstory on how Vosh got to be Vosh. That's the way I see her, right? Um she you know, she's wandering around. the fact that she actually had her own booth I thought was interesting. Come be a pirate. (laughs) Come steal come steal stuff from other planets and you know, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Okay, so um for me as a scientist, this episode is and and I'm glad you brought up the middle management part of it, Norman. This Mm -hmm. whole thing was Starfleet playing in my eyes. Okay. I 
there's lots of views, but this guy, this Admiral guy was obviously playing the, the California class so he could show off his new weapon right yep. in front of the media. And then the captain is going, well, I can't actually see my house this dirty. So I need to clean the house and keep all the people in the house. I need to lock the pets in the doors, you know, behind the doors. So unbeknownst to her, the, her, you know, the trusted friends are the ones who, who set her up. And, you know, the one she didn't trust was the only one being honest here. I guess I guess her crew trusted her enough to be honest, but she wasn't expecting it. So it's a really interesting view on how media is being played at several levels. And it's really disconcerting. And I'm not sure if it's a good lesson to teach any youngsters who are watching this or us us people in corporate America go, well, this is par for the course. There's lots of people trying to put a facade over various chunks of what their agenda is. I don't know. It, it was not, you know, particularly compared to last week. Last week was so amazing. And, you know, first of all, we pick on Mariner the entire episode and she didn't deserve this. You know, no. I, I, I mean, yeah, she's been a screw up here or there, but um, she's trying to grow and not to be trusted by her mother was yeah pretty devastating so i don't know it's not my favorite but you know the lessons learned for folks are out there and um i i need to know how's this going to get remediated the show's about her she's got to come back so let's call it now is she going to come back crawling is she going to come back a hero is she going to come back with a girlfriend how's this going to end well predictions predictions and we do have an extra week to kind of like marinate on mariner (laughs) how dare the punt in this episode. I told you, my back half is way better than my front half. <laughs> oh, I don't uh, know. How do, you, how do you feel about that, Ashley? I mean, it's you... a, oh, man, it's a tough question because we we know par for the course. Everything is resetting more or less. We're putting all the chess pieces back on the board in the premiere of the next season. That's what happens specifically in animation. It happens in Rick and Morty and Solar Opposites, which obviously Mike comes from. Um, and it, it kind of happens in Star Trek unless we get a cliffhanger episode, right? Like we start, everyone's good. Maybe someone's promoted. Um, so I'm assuming that by the time season four rolls around, that we are getting everybody back on the Cerritos. Mm-hmm. I think it would be fascinating if we had Mariner return to the Cerritos, of course, but perhaps uh, more of a in a consultant role, kind of like Constable Odo or even T'Pol before she became Starfleet and Enterprise. Oh. Um, so that she gets to kind of eat her cake and have it too. She gets the family part of Starfleet, which she likes and the found family in the community, but she is not as tied down to some of the rules and regulations. I, I think that would be really, really interesting. I think the bolder move would be to have her be on the ship, but be in the brig. Um, you know, and I hadn't really thought about if she returned and Petra was her girlfriend, but that would also be really interesting. Um, an animation like the Harley Quinn series, for example, has some of the healthiest dialogue about like how to relate to an ex and how to deal with reemerging feelings or reintroducing people in your lives. And I, I would really love to see, even though I would be devastated if Mariner and Jennifer broke up, I would be really interested to see what these writers, these directors and these performers do with that kind of emotional complexity in this show. So... I think they're all getting back on the show. I just think there's potential. This is a, such a non-answer for, for Mariner to do something slightly left of what she's been doing the whole time. I'm sorry. Please say something more interesting. <laughs> Ashley's tap dancing is literally like one of the greatest things ever to watch. In the I definitely haven't ever. watched next week's episode right? already. <laughs> <laughs> but the way, I, the way I see it, and I have not, but the way I see it, I think that it's nice to give kind of like these characters there like room for growth. Like Mariner's kind of like the she's she's like the 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 center of like the the beta shifts universe, right? So if she's not there, then the center can't hold, obviously. And the, maybe these characters might grow for their for themselves or on their own. 
and, and maybe that's a good thing. And and maybe the only reason why Minner was staying there because you know she really didn't have anywhere else left to go. You know, it's very it's very comfortable to be like a giant fish in a small pond. So go out there in the bigger universe. You know, be a small fish. You know, and and kind of like unshackle yourself from like all of this responsibility and especially kind of like from this 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 strange kind of um, obligation that you have to be there just because your mom's there. You know, or to act mm. a certain way just because your mom's captain. Right. You know, that isn't like respecting the chain of command. That is like literally like having the dynamic, you know, with, you know, sibling to parent, you know, that's not, you can always skirt like orders. You can always skirt discipline just because there's that underlying uh, message that's uh, that, that communication that's between them, that shorthand saying, you know, that basically that look like, don't do this. I will don't, I will. I'm going to Vulcan salute you to death. And she's like, Mm -hmm. get out of my office. But at the end of the day, there's still mother and daughter. Right. So she has to leave that. She ha- that's toxic for both of them. Right. There's too much expectation on one end and not enough expectation from the other end. Right. So there's the leadership that sh- that Mariner will never get, but maybe needs. And it's not she's not going to find it there. And I think Captain Freeman's like, you know, I can't be this. I can't excel in the career that I want to be in or be a part of this other circle of influence in Starfleet where I want to achieve higher things for me if I always have to look and babysit my daughter who I can't obviously kick off my ship until I can, right? So now it's like, well, now you both have the space that you need. What are you going to do with it? But how does it affect people in the in-between? How is it going to affect, you know, with with Freeman now being able to work maybe more with Ransom and Boimler to get them into more on the command track? And then maybe Tendi and Rutherford without Mariner there can be closer or do better. Who knows? Maybe Mariner was holding them back. I don't know. So we've had the tap dance from Ashley and we've had the smooth, <laughs> smooth foxtrot from Norman. I'm going to put a tango in on this. I, I, I see Black I Ops tangos. Boimler coming in and infiltrating, <laughs> infiltrating the two in their nefarious activities. And somehow Mariner's going to be, you know, n- need to come back to the Cerritos as a hero and her friends will welcome her in a big embrace. But Jennifer will have to look the other way and, you know, just move on. So... I think we got a maybe a triangle coming with Jennifer and the um you know the uh what's her name? I just wrote it down here. Petra. Petra. Petra and Mariner. That should be an interesting triangle for an episode ish. Um but the sleeper in the entire episode is this new class of starship is completely manned by peanut hampers. So <gasps> no, no, oh, God. my literal nightmare. <laughs> so I will, I will leave you. I will leave you in the good hands of Alan. Fine people, it's always great to see you. Thanks, Paul. See Thanks. For, that was that was mind blowing. That was yeah, awesome. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alan. Uh, follow that up, and I know you can't. Run- <laughs> ah, well, I'll I'll certainly try. Follow I mean, that up. <laughs> yeah, I well, th- that's certainly a good point. I mean, we have an entire building full of evil computers i don't know if drone ships is really the way to go considering that at some point there's got to be you know you know some kind of firewall that can be breached that's that's just you know setting yourself up for for disaster um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah no i i agree with a lot of what people have been saying um you know everything from the stuff about Captain Freeman, I don't think it's quite Peter Principle material, but definitely a lot of insecurity there that, that surfaces at inappropriate times. As someone who's, you know, worked in bad, uh, you know, employment circumstances at various times in my life, uh, it's hard when you're stuck in a position where, you know, yeah, things have gone a certain direction and then all of a sudden you think things are, you know, have turned out for the better, but all of a sudden, you know, you find out that everything that you thought had been resolved is still, you know, very much, you know, apropos for your superiors. And it's like, oh, 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 crap. We're still talking about this stuff. Oh, thank you for okay. keeping that PG, by the way. Yeah, so. sorry. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I heard, uh, I heard Paul almost slip there too. So yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, nope, nope, I'm not going to be the one. Don't <laughs> let the not... S hit the F, my friend. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. but yeah, it's just like you know, a reputation is a hard thing to shake sometimes, and. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and it's 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 definitely unfortunate because I feel like there has been a tremendous amount of growth for for Mariner over the course of especially this season of the show where it does feel like she's sort of bought in and tried to 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 play the game tried to to work within the system and make it work to her you know still be herself and still have her own um mo but you know to to do the star starfleet thing and to uh be sent to man uh you know it i was thinking about it and this is i guess this is the time to to pull the trigger on the star star uh starbase 80 jokes do it. They've been, that they've been, uh, you know, layering in for the past three seasons. It's like, oh my god, it is. It's as bad as we thought it was. <laughs> when you thought when you thought like lower decks is bad, right? And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like you know, you, yeah. you have uh, these guys roll in from like <laughs> I don't know. Oh, there's my sandwich. Stoners, <laughs> yeah. you know, like flying, in, flying a, a shuttlecraft and jeez, yeah, it's Spicoli, like you know, in Starfleet. Yeah, and we've yeah, and I think that's sort of one of the hallmarks of the show, and I think I've yeah, I've said similar things to this in the past uh, when I've called in. But what I love about Lower Decks is that it's not the Starbase eighty show. These are still competent, hardworking, dedicated people who you know live up to Starfleet. They're just doing the you know. The, the the second contact type jobs um so yeah it's 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 just yeah it's it's tricky <laughs> um, well, is there one thing that i mean i loved uh where paul left us with that big question like where do you think it goes from here i mean well obviously we have one mm-hmm. episode and not everything's going to get like wrapped up in one episode i mean it's kind of asking a lot but if you had the one ask that you want to give the audience with Meritor and where she's at with Petra and going for space mummies and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> they fit in more in 30 minutes than some episodes do in like a in live episodes do in like oh, yeah. in a full hour. So where do you think that they're going to leave us or, or what do you think they're at least going to try to attempt to do? Well, I see with, with the amount of growth that's come for, for some of these characters, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some shakeup of the status quo at the end of this season. Like maybe Tendi at, at least gets, I think Tendi gets promoted at some mm. point very I soon. So. I see her getting, uh, getting the, the black pip uh, for JG. I thought you were going to um, say badge and I was going to slap you. I'm like, oh. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> she oh, would no. be perfect though. I mean, who would suspect Tendi she's in too, section 31? She's too pure for 31. Yes. Tendi 31. Is. But, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, maybe, and maybe the, the shakeup with not having Mariner around will, will provoke some sort of, you know, differentiation between, uh, you know, Boimler's role in in their di- in in this sort of show dynamic, and you know, maybe there's something on the horizon for Rutherford as well. Maybe Mariner will come back to the to the show or to the crew as Starfleet or other or what have you. I mean, you know, who knows what kind of you know they they can. If the Enterprise can have a bartender, then maybe uh, <laughs> maybe the Cerritos can have a barista. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, I like um, the way you think. As yeah. a caffeine addict, I, I like love it. this. <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, yeah, just there's 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 a, a heck of a lot to think about with this one in particular. And um, what else? I was going to say that. Um, you know, we've we've had our fair share of uh, bad rolls over the years uh, in Star Trek, but uh, I, I would say that possibly uh, our our friend uh, Good Buddy might be in the running for worst. He he might bad be worst. Buen amigo. He might be he might be worstable. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of it's a little bit of a Mandela effect because I feel like he's been more in more of this series. Are in more of this season than he has been. He was 
in the he was in the premiere. He sent them to the DS9 app, you know, to DS9, and I almost was like, this is a little suspicious that he's suddenly pushing this onto Carol for uh, you know, you know, with with little notice and little regard. So you know, maybe there was sort of plans to unveil the Texas ship at Deep Space Nine, and it just turned out better, and they didn't need him. Um, and then he's here at this one. Uh, it it feels bad because you know, uh, and and I say worst of all because he seems to be a family friend, and he's manipulating the the interpersonal dynamics of this family to his benefit. She does the ones you trust the least. You yeah. Smell them coming. Mariner yeah. calls him uncle less. That's I never do that. That's that's low. <laughs> if he's, <laughs> if he's really conspired with this reporter to make his friend, you know, look bad to promote his own career. So yeah, that's, 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 that's not great. And I'll, I'll let I want to I want Sheree to have time, so I'll I'll leave you with this last uh, thought that uh, if you're if you're ever out there and uh, the Breen have you at three to one, uh, always think they're going to cover the spread. Oh, Dang. Alan, bringing it bringing it strong at the end. You can't let Crispy show you up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, well done, sir. <laughs> game game recognizes game. <laughs> there you go. Bring it up. Have a good one, night. Rising tide lifts all boats, man. All right. <laughs> See ya. All right, Cherry. You have the last word. <laughs> Where'd you go? Oh, what oh, happened no. to you? Oh, let me fix that. You I don't literally know have the why. last word since you don't have the last picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Well. This is this is just a silly little thing, but I really feel like the Texas class should be called the Wyoming class because um, <laughs> Texas has a lot of population, whereas Wyoming has, I, I believe, Wyoming being completely unmanned, <laughs> unmanned exactly. vessel. I think that sounds so much cooler too. <laughs> Sorry, somebody Texas. in Jackson Hole right now was like, "Yes, give us our own class I- of starships." <laughs> I like that. I like I like the idea of the ship. I just I'm like, come on now. It doesn't have to be Texas. Like, why can't you why can't it be like the Florida class where I am? Because right? <laughs> no one wants that ever. Because then Florida man would be piloting that ship. Yes. No, now I want to see that. Now I so want do to I. Florida class piloted by Fl- Captain Florida, Florida Man. <laughs> but but Captain Florida Man has to be some adorable reptilian who looks like an alligator. It's one of the, one of the lizard babies from Threshold. Yes. Oh <laughs> Done. Excellent. Copyright. And he, was, he was adopted to a Florida family. Yes. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and maybe, you know who else is from Florida? Trip Tucker. So maybe a Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your shirt on, Captain. Officer. <laughs> oh my gosh we we just had threshold trip tucker florida man and an unmanned nx class starship and a class starship excuse me and a truly exceptional episode this week my friends <laughs> <laughs> sherry's bringing her a game her That's na right. game if i have to say it right i'm glad my my silly little throwaway comic comment has evolved into something greater <laughs> <laughs> it's testing very high right now <laughs> yeah. So uh, overall, though, you know, there's been a lot of big, 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 big ideas. Um, what about your big idea? What about where you see this episode wrapping up in next week's episode? I really feel like it could go because I, with a poll, I had I kind of answered what I want to happen, but like I could see it going either way. Like I want Mariner and Jennifer to get back together. That's right. I really do. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I love I love them together. But, you know, uh, someone pointed out um, another thing that I commented that on that just like Star Trek isn't really known for its like long lasting relationships. And I was like, yeah, it's a fair point. Um, and Mariner, does, Kirk seem the more like a, yeah. <laughs> Mariner <laughs> does seem more like a Riker type character of like kind of a new 100%. person every week. I mean, maybe Jennifer's in Zadi. Like, maybe they get married in the movies. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thinking, though, it could be fun to have like a like a Riker Troy dynamic between Mariner and Jennifer. Of like they get together with other people, but they clearly are still like into each other. <laughs> that could be fun. 
Um, An open relationship. It's the 24th century. Honestly, yes. Maybe Petra's just the third. (laughs) (laughs) And then we can have Talyn, too, because I want want Mariner and Talyn. Yo, I love her so much. (laughs) I I really want to see Talyn and uh, the the Cleon guy from uh, Wade Stooge again. Yes. I I really hope we see them again. Um, And that, that gets me to my question for you guys. Like, what what like plot points do you want to see like come back? Ooh, I definitely hope we get to revisit a little bit more of Rutherford's evolution. This was kind of his first big flashback episode that we've had in three seasons. He's kind of like a, to bring up Prodigy again, kind of like the Jenkins Pog. He was, he was left for jokes for a really long time, even though we knew that there was a lot more going on under the surface. So I would love to see more uses of the memory wipe and the plot device that the implant can be. I think Based on what we've seen so far, there's a fairly good chance that that will happen at least once once a season moving forward. Um, that's really, really interesting. What else? Because now I'm like, God damn, what's happened in these 30 episodes? Well, I, I have my whole thing with the like all those supercomputers are going to tear a hole through like space oh. and time. Right. And then we're going to get Jeffrey Combs live. Armis is going to have a body. I know, actually so. have a theory about the Agamus. crossover episode of like. Like you know, they they could they could like tie in like with Agamus and maybe Peanut Hamper, like yeah, doing some sort of time thing. Right. <laughs> I'm telling you, is is that the Thanos that they've been building to this whole time? <laughs> this graveyard of shit. Yep. So you have all these things, right? And then all of a sudden, maybe it's something that Petra and Mariner find in the mummies that they're you know digging up, Ooh. right? Like the one Ooh. catalyst that all of a sudden that's what they want. And then all of a sudden, the USS Wyoming is going to bring it back to Starfleet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You know, it's hard to predict because as fun as that is, Mike McMahon and his team, they just kind of like shatter all predictions, right? You know, for better or worse, they swing for the fences so hard. They're so much smarter than us. It's gross. they, They either land or they don't land. But when they don't land, they land still, right? It's just they land in a completely different way. Or or you appreciate the swing, right? Which I think was like sort of the the peanut hamper of it all. Uh, yeah. Was even if it, that wasn't everyone's favorite episode, it was like, yeah, but they're doing something really interesting that just wasn't to my taste specifically. It's called Threshold, you know, so. Nope. <laughs> it's called the peanut hamper <laughs> one. I will, I will not do it the respect of learning its name. <laughs> do I know Sabrosa? I sure do. But it, it will always be the peanut hamper one. <laughs> my, even though technically my... it's the peanut hamper two. <laughs> But I like I like it when they swing big, and that's why I bring a press threshold because yes. not only because I'm plugging the show for Thursday, but because hey. if you're going to swing, you might as well swing and go for it, right? Because either way, you're gonna you're gonna catch all kinds of heck for it. That's H E C K heck, you know, not with a double hockey sticks. Heckin heckin good swing. Heckin good swing. So um. Speaking of heck and good swings, take one more swing, Sherry, before you have to leave. I will say that speaking of swing, like, like I feel like that was the one thing that I actually didn't like that really bothered me, I think, about this episode was that uh, you were saying about earlier how it's kind of like a sitcom trope of like, she couldn't just say, no, I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like usually like, Lurdex feels like a sitcom, but they like invert the tropes. Like I love like the episode where like Boimler goes off with the red shirts and like you think he's gonna like denounce his friends, but he's like, No, my friends are awesome. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Like in a, a normal sitcom, it, it totally would have been like they'd have to relearn the the value of their friends because they want to be with these cool people. But like since it's lower decks, he like knew right away. Like I love that like they usually subvert the tropes like that, but this time it was just like she couldn't just say, like, I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> it would have it been less frustrating. <laughs> Maybe this just so exhausting for both of them. It's like, look, I'm tired of fighting this fight. If he goes, if you want to kick me off, kick me off, but at least make a decision. And now I'm, and you did. So good for you. You know, kudos <laughs> for mom for making the command decision because you're a captain. So I'm out of here. You know, I'm going to ride down the uh, USS McDonald's and like get uh, out of here. So, hmm. right. The USS McDonald's. <laughs> Isn't that what fell out of that guy's shirt? Like a really nasty, like Big Mac or something? Was, was that it? Was it USS Subway? Something like that. Right? Oh my God, not the subway, not the tunas made of sawdust. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it's hard to say. And I, I think we're all going to be really, really, really excited to see what happens. I hope so. Um, I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I can probably guarantee this. 
that's going to be amazing to talk about in two weeks. Yes. <laughs> Woo, after Woo. Halloween. Yeah. After Halloween. <laughs> so thanks, Sherry, for calling in. Uh, always great to thanks see you. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. And, uh, that means we have come to the wrap of our show, Ashley. And uh, any last words uh, of excitement or prophecy or both? Because uh, your prophecies are always exciting. <laughs> Can you believe it? I was trying to prophesy because I have watchified, but mm. I, I will, <laughs> I will say, uh, just for the joke of temporal cold war shenanigans, this episode ranks very highly for me. This was a good time this week. Yeah, it was a good time. And um, oh my gosh, I get completely like, oh, you have stared into the seeing stone. How dare you? And not like yeah. reference that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me an episode worthy of Mariner. So um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <even> Ash. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ash, for uh, being the co-host this week. It's always a pleasure to have you on and keeping me on my toes, that's for sure. So, but sadly, uh, I have to make a, a sad toast, but a glad toast. This is our last show together for Lower Decks for this season. You and so I. It's a good thing we only have 10 episodes of Prodigy Go. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have John uh, in two weeks yeah. on November 7th when we come back. And yes, that is going to be, uh, we're uh, respecting the Halloween uh, holidays. So everyone out there, get in your best costumes. Tag us on the social medias. Let us know what you're wearing. Hopefully, probably something Star Trek, if not cooler. Or is there anything cooler in Star Trek? Maybe. I don't know. It really depends on you. But you can always find all of our shows. Make sure that you go to youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment where you can catch the re-recording of this show and where you're going to be able to catch Ashley and myself when we release the very first episode of the second half of Prodigy Season 1. Now I can correct myself. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or join us later. We look forward to wrapping up the season finale of Lower Decks Season 3 with all of you in two weeks on November 7th. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.